0: Historical numbers don't don't guarantee anything. But I think it's important to look at those things, and they speak for themselves. So we, we've got a lot to talk about in terms of retirement. But, uh, by the way, I want to remind people that there is a Red Hawks game coming up, I think, uh, in Fargo today, and, and a Bismarck-Larks game coming up out in Bismarck uh, this afternoon. Right. So for people who are baseball fans, lots of things going It'll on. It could be a good day there. for it. Yeah. It's a good day to bring an old friend on board. Uh, This, this young man is Jason Spies. Good morning to you, Jason. Good to have you on the show.
1: Good morning. Thanks for inviting me uh, to play in your reindeer games this morning. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're doing, Jason. That's what we're doing. Jason, uh, you and I have known each other for a long time and we're, we're still friends. I
1: like that. <laughs> well, you know what? That's one thing about you, Paul. It's a friend for life. So I mean, it's a, you know, good good intentions go a long way, and sometimes uh, you know, two two peas in a pod can make make it work in this world, right? Hey, why not? I think
0: so too. Well, Jason, you are uh, a heck of a guy, and I mean that in every positive uh, sense of the word. And I want to let our listeners know a little bit about who you are, where you've been, some of the things you've been through, and I. I would love to have you help illustrate that. I first met you back, uh, gosh, I think you were about 16 years old, and you were a student at North High School.
1: That sounds about right, unless it was maybe, you know, could have been 14. I started working at uh, Video <laughs> Land in North Fargo with, of course, Rudy Holy. Sigmund, and then, of course, Howard Johnson, or, I mean, sorry, Howard up there at Mini Mart back in the day. So, yep. uh, it was... Jason. Uh, yeah.
0: Jason, I may not have known you as long as Paul has. This is Steve, but... We do go back, and I'm wondering how many years ago was it now that you first went out west to start your various enterprises in western North Dakota?
1: Well, I went out there in 2012, and it oh. was back when a person could try to go and make a living as as a podcaster or a blogger or an independent freelance journalist. I think they called them backpack reporters back in the day, and we had just come come off a couple of uh, you know national Marconi. Uh, awards at KFGO for, for the flood coverage and a number of different news stories the team had put together there. And so it was a good opportunity. And actually, this is a true story. Not a lot of people know this, but uh, when I went out to out west, I, of course, uh, did the method journalist thing. And so I went and I embedded myself out there and lived in the Bakken for a year. And I was going to report against oil and gas and, and try to do investigative journalism against oil and gas. And when I got out there, I realized there was so much positive that the oil and gas industry was doing in this community and in this state and in the uh, environmental world, actually, that uh, my my entire context had had changed. And so the crude life was born, and we became kind of a... We, we follow innovation. We follow the economics. We really don't get into the day-to-day oil prices. We kind of look at the 5,000-foot view of the... Um, responsibility behind energy, the environmental impact, that sort of thing. How's that for Uh, a little bit of an overview for you guys? Well, well, that is an
0: overview. Tell us about The Crude Life and about uh, some of the other things that you do in terms of publications and speaking and consulting. And I know you've got some big things coming up.
1: Well, The Crude Life is a product of being a single father and being somebody who wants to make sure he was available for his child 24-7. So we had to figure out a lot of different ways to make money. So we became a writer and we became a podcast person and we became a radio show host and we became a public speaker and we became, you know, whatever you need. Do you need somebody to do this and that, you know? And and what we came was a great brand that put together industry experts. And we've been on the BBC. Uh, we've been on CNBC. We've been on, uh, you know, uh, Paul Myers and Steve Poitras' Legacy Talk. Uh, you know all the big guns we've we've done, and so it's it's uh, it's been quite a ride. And what's going on in the economy right now is very interesting because you know really energy is the economy. So much of what happens in the energy industry uh, really has a ripple through the entire economy because I think ninety six percent, ninety two percent, depend on what study you want to read is petroleum products. And and the way that I tell people is that, you know, every morning when you brush your teeth, the toothpaste that is going across your teeth to the toothbrush, to the bristles, to the transportation to get it there, to everything involved, 96% of that is petroleum products. So this crash course to get off of, uh, you know, fossil fuels is a little bit confusing to me because humans have been kind of naturally doing that for the last 150 years. And so when I take a look at what's going on in the economy out there, this pipeline shutdown is going to have some real ramifications, real ramifications in the Bakken. It's going to have some real ramifications across the U.S. because there was three pipelines that were affected this week, the Keystone, the Dakota Access, and the Atlantic pipeline out um, on the East Coast. That was Dominion and Duke Energy. So there's some.
0: You've got some strong opinions about that, Jason. Why don't you just jump right into it? I- you think this was a good move, and not so, And you know, there are going to be people on both sides. But well, what and, are your and, thoughts?
1: And that's where the crude life. We try to take a real non-political approach to it because you know we don't have a problem in the realm of reality because these things happened. The la- the, the 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 shutdowns that happened that 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 happened. And when I take a look at that, the next you know hundred days, I don't really think anybody has a plan right now how they're going to get that oil out of there. I've seen some reports about putting nitrogen in there, and I've seen some reports about, hey, we're taking orders. We're going to keep moving ahead. So it's, it's interesting. But what I look at, Paul, what I look at, Steve, is I look at the pipe fitters. I look at the laborers, the cafe owners, the welders. Yeah. These are the people in the supply chain. That's really what we try to focus on at the crude life because that's the stuff that affects people on day-to-day. And, you know, we can get into the political side of things, and it's no secret that the environmental movement and the climate activists have really taken that chess piece and gotten, a, a, you know, a, I guess a point further because you take a look at the banking industry, and they're requiring a lot of oil and gas companies to get what's known as an ESG certification. That's an environmental social governance certification. And the Davis Refinery in North Dakota just spent 18 months in court. They they won a court case last week, the North Dakota Supreme Court, with the exact same information and science that they basically had for the last 18 months. So the the environmental movement is a new normal in energy, and that's that that was said probably by a half a dozen CEOs on our programs over the last year. Um, as far as like an investment standpoint, I'm taking a look at the clock and I have no idea, you know, what, what our clocks are, but I know that I talk for a long time. So
0: uh, we're doing well. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, interesting stuff, Jason. Yeah. We're happy to have it. So, you know, and then another side from a political standpoint, and this is where people can get kind of lost because the blanket statement is that pipelines are the safest and the most economical and the most efficient. And there's a lot of truth behind that. There's a lot of truth behind that when you think about the rail and the trucks that are going to now transport a lot of the crude oil. So we're adding trucks and we're adding rail cars. So the rail cars are going to ripple into your agriculture. Back in 2015, the farmers got really upset because uh, crude oil took precedent over egg. And we all know that the minute you, you know, you know, you, you harvest the pulse crops in North Dakota, the expiration date starts. So, there's going to be a ripple into the rail. The rail going to be busy. Great time to invest in the rail. Uh, truckers, truckers are going to get some jobs again because they're they're suffering right now. There's a lot of truckers suffering right now. So there'll be an increase there. But again, I go back to the political side of things to where the motivation is the environmental impact and, and some things along those lines. But in the meantime, we're going to be adding a lot more to the rail and and to the roads now. So there is that. Um, I did want to talk about Chesapeake if, if you had a second. Uh, they you bet. Uh, so you know a lot of people know Chesapeake and Whiting, and um, I'm trying to think of the other one. But, um, uh, extraction, oh, it uh, wastes extraction oil, uh, filed bankruptcy, and this is really important that a lot of people understand for a couple different reasons. One is uh, Chesapeake has contracts with Energy Transfer and Crestwood, who's a big player in the Bakken, and Williams Company. So as Chesapeake goes through their restructuring and their refiling, how much of those contracts are going to get affected? I heard the other day something like $7.1 billion of Chesapeake's um, uh, restructuring is going to be wiped out. Well, that's that's $7.1 billion of small businesses that just got a notice in the mail that says you're not getting paid then. I'm not sure how that's going to play out. So we're trying to get some attorneys on and a few other things on the crude life to try to dissect that a little bit more because I can tell you firsthand, back in 2009, 2007, when I got my 30th bankruptcy notice from a builder, developer, realtor, remodeler during that housing crisis, my magazines were done. That was the end of me. Thank goodness KFGO offered me a job back in the day or I don't know what I would have done. So that that, that was the last recession that you know really hit people hard, and so a lot of people are having some, you know, some uh, uh, I guess memories about that. So when we take a look at Chesapeake and Whiting, and keep in mind, there's some you know supply chain people that are a big part of North Dakota, a big part of South Dakota, a big part of uh, Montana that may be impacted by this. Um, natural gas, by the way, is the way to go. That's the future. If if you want to invest in something I mean look at Warren Buffett did this week a couple pipelines shut down he bought natural gas right away and if anybody knows anything about the movement to the the, the green energy that we're going towards whether it be through subsidies or whether it be through the social engineering that's happening uh, you can't have renewables without fossil fuelables so coal's going to get reinvented and a lot of the crude oil and, and natural gas is going to get reinvented. But in order to do so much of those uh, Tesla batteries and some of the other things, natural gas is going to be needed. So um, I'm just now, trying to look now at the Jason, clock.
0: Another area out there that uh, I know you've got some experience with, we have some big uh, energy plants out there yes. that uh, have announced that uh, you know they may be phasing down. Well, what do you know about those situations?
1: I don't know too much about that yet, except just, you know, the basic timelines. Uh, there, there's, there's some political things happening behind the scenes, obviously. A lot of people are really waiting for the election on a lot of the shutdown things. They, they do think that they may get a presidential intervention to keep them open. They think maybe some states will figure out a way to, you know, prolong it through the courts. There's There's different strategies, I guess, just being had because... There was some real impacts there. I mean, you know, last time I checked, I think coal is something like ninety percent of North Dakota, powers ninety percent of North Dakota, something like that. I mean, and That's a big number. Yeah, and, and I don't think the average person really quite understands that. That, you know, when you start really looking at what powers things and like just I, I heard you guys talk about Tesla stock and you know, he passed Warren Buffett and that sort of thing. And like 90% of Tesla's big giant battery park out in Nevada is powered by natural gas. and Wow. Right. And there's just so much of this that's needed. There's a great documentary that Michael Moore put out called Planet of the Humans. And he's not in it, but it's it's about a climate activist who kind of turned and saw that it's really just a big money game. And it did a really good job. Actually did better than any... PR firm I've seen over the last 20 years of just explaining why natural gas is is the foundation fuel for the next 20 years. Uh, You know, kind of like, go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say, it's interesting. You've mentioned a number of times how important natural gas will be going forward. And, of course, North Dakota uh, has some strength in that area, too, don't we? With natural
1: gas, we, we certainly do, and our future is going to get brighter and brighter. I mean, because the the more flaring that we can reduce, the yeah. more the the more turnaround we're going to have. And you know, one of the only things that we get political on our program about is uh, shifting some of the solar and wind subsidies maybe to natural gas. And and our justification is real simple. You know, solar and wind has had uh, forty years of subsidies, and they haven't hit their milestones. Okay, this is not a political thing. This is actually, if you go ahead and take a look at, at, at the court proceedings and the, and the Congress uh, transcripts, sure. it, it, they just haven't hit their milestones. It's, it's not affordable yet. You know, wind, um, yeah, they're, they still got a lot of issues. I, I, I joke that farmers were more efficient 150 years ago pumping water out of the ground and powering their pole barns. And solar, you know, they got a good camping charger, but that's about it. And um, if we could shift some of those to natural gas, some of these smart, clever capitalists out there that are mining Bitcoin out in the Bakken and figuring out new ways to make plastics right on the well site and figuring out how to turn it into liquid gas. And we've got a real abundance of smart, clever capitalists out there trying to figure out how to solve the flaring problem. And I really, really, truly believe... So much so that this is like our only political thing we get into at The Crude Life is that the flaring issue is solvable, but it needs a little bit of subsidy. And if that okay. were to happen, it, who knows, Paul? We, we could all have swimming pools in our backyard with some new super plastic <laughs> for a 1000 bucks. I mean, who knows what we can do out there in the yeah. back? And they're mining Bitcoin, for crying out loud. I don't even know what that there means.
0: Those are yeah. well. You know what? We're going to have to have you back again because there's obviously a lot of things we could talk about, and we love to have you on our little our uh, uh, mini network here of KFYR and KFGO and across the internet. Uh, you know, I was looking at the people you have interviewed over the years. You have interviewed some amazing people. If you had to pick one person who you thought—and we got to keep this pretty brief—who you thought was your most interesting interview? You know, I see names like Harold Hamm. I see Kent Conrad. I see a lot of people. Who would you find to be a pretty fascinating interview?
1: Probably the most interesting would be Matthew Nelson of the Nelson Twins. He was the grandson of Ozzie oh, wow! Ozzie and Harriet Nelson. He was the son of Ricky Nelson. Uh, Garden party to him too. And I've uh, got an autograph. Yeah, I interviewed him a number of years ago. They were think they were playing at uh, the Thunderfest or something out the out in uh, western North Dakota and something in, in eastern North Dakota. So I had him on. Wow. And it was it was still to this day one of my favorite interviews because I just, I don't know why, but I asked him about hearing his father's uh, news that his father had died because it was, you know, I, I figured, you know, yep. being, being back, was it the early 80s or something like that or 90s, I think it was. Yep. Um, and he opened up to me right on the air. And he talked about how he was on a date and he heard it over the over the radio and he pulled over on the side of the road and was breaking down and how the the media was just awful and they didn't go through proper yeah. channels and it was it turned into a very organic, uh, like oh wow he's just kind of going down. Oh, another one is Bryce Neumiller. Uh He's a local. He does. We the, know Bryce. Yeah, he does a sure. School of Rock in and Fargo. And uh, he's another, he was another one of my favorite interviews. He, uh, he he did a confession on the air, and I wasn't expecting that. So that was kind of interesting. And, um, uh, Jason,
0: but, we're going to have to scoot here because oh, we're running up against a hard close. But I want to thank Jason Spies, who is our man out in the back. And, and, Jason, can we get you back another time?
1: Anytime, Paul. You know it.
0: All right. It's great to talk to you, Jason. Good luck to you.
1: Thanks. Okay. Appreciate the time, guys.
0: All right, Jason. We're going to get back to you again. I uh, we're going to skip our opening, Steve, and just move directly into. Um